0: Amen. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Grace City. If I haven't had a chance to meet you uh, yet, my name is David. I'm the teaching pastor here at the church, and apparently the first three rows are cursed, so, uh, so I'm going to be speaking that way to you guys. So, uh, man, how awesome is it to hear all the good things that are happening at Sobreed Feed? and uh, I would say after service, take a lap around the block, so you, around the building, so you can see uh, what they've got going on in the back, so it's really fun to see, uh, see all that work coming to fruition in 2009, I was on staff at First Baptist Jackson, and I was helping to lead kind of a 20s and 30s ministry there. But during that year, I really started to feel the call to plant uh, to plant Grace City, to plant the church. But I was really wrestling with it. Um, it was it was not on my uh, life schedule, right? I wasn't in my vision for, of life to to kind of be full time church guy. In fact, I was going to I was kind of planning on going back and being self employed at the time. So I was really, really really wrestling with this call of planting a church. And uh, I, I started to share that with a few folks. I don't know who all I would shared it with, but I know specifically that I had not told Lane Beasley about it. Lane uh, is one of our community group leaders here. is one of our former elders at, at Grace City, and is still critical, still actively involved here uh, at the church. He serves in so many ways. But he was uh, kind of doing that, you know, ten years ago at, at First Jackson in the twenties ministry. And it was after one of our Bible studies one night. Uh, I'll never forget where we were. We were in the in the kitchen at First Jackson, and. Uh, And he said, hey, David, have you ever thought about planting a church? And uh, and it was a little creepy when he asked, (laughs) because I was like, man, you're like, listen to my prayers or something like that. So it was was a little unnerving (laughs) getting that question. Um, But at the same time, like as he asked that question, I could just hear God saying, pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention to this question. Pay attention to this moment. You, you are going to remember this. Like could just kind of feel, remember that and feel all that, that there. And it was just one of those deals where I just knew that this was a, a, a conversation that, that God had set up. You know, for, for Lane, when he asked the question, um, I'm sure he's probably just, hey, this is a cool idea. I'll pass it along. You know, for, for him, it was just asking that question. But his willingness to ask it, his willingness to have the conversation was something that God used as a formative moment in my life. And so I look back at that conversation and I see that, I say, fully believe that that was a moment where God was providentially guiding and directing my steps. Over the past month at Grace City, we've been uh, studying uh, a lot of passages in the the book of Genesis, seeing how God is forming his nation, forming forming his chosen people, the Israelite nation. And it began with a promise where God promises uh, his servant Abraham to make him the father of a great nation, to give him descendants as numerous as the stars. And God says, Abraham, I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bless your family. And what's more, your family is going to be a blessing to the whole world. And we've talked about how the Israelites were to live in such a way to where all would know that the God of the Israelites is the one true God. And through this promise, God would be telling the whole world, God would progressively be revealing his nature, his character, his attributes to the entire world in and through this promise that he's made to Abraham, this promise that he's made to Abraham's family. And so we've seen gradually different steps that the Lord has taken to bring this promise to fruition by giving to Abraham a, a son named Isaac. And we, we, we looked at that story really kind of the past two weeks. But if this promise is going to continue to come to fruition, Isaac will now have to, to marry and have a family of his own. And in Genesis chapter 24, we have the story of God providentially guiding and directing the steps of a woman named Rebekah to agree to become Isaac's wife. Now know this, this passage gives us the example of a, a strong woman whose faith, obedience and trust in the Lord advances the kingdom of God, advances the work of God. She's not um She's not some passive Snow White, one day my prince will come just waiting on Isaac to fix everything type of a person. That's not the, the, the story that we have here. Rebecca is very active. She happens to the moment. We see strength. We see faith. We see uh, so much of godly character in her expressed to those around her. And as such, without her, we don't have the story that we have in the Old Testament. In many respects, she plays the role of almost a female Abraham for the nation of Israel. She's integral to the story of God, forming for himself a people through whom, remember, through whom he's going to send Jesus, who will be the, the, the sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins, make a way for the redemption of God's people, and make a way uh, to, to uh, expand the kingdom of God. So Rebecca plays a critical role in the story and a lot of events that we have throughout the entirety of Scripture. And I believe as a result in our time in the text this morning, you're going to see how God can be both intimately involved in the details in someone's life, at the same time using that person to to play an integral part in his grand, epic, eternal story. Right? As people respond and trust in his commands and his words, God will use them to then providentially bring others into his kingdom. As God is intimately involved in their life, and using them to be integrally involved in his eternal work. Just so I can make sure that I put it out there so we know exactly what we're headed into in this, I think this passage can fundamentally change the way you view your Monday. I think this passage can change the way you view mundane details the mundane routine life experiences. I think this text can help us see how God can even use the smallest of moments to, to be a, another chapter in advancing the eternal story of the kingdom of God. And I think we can see that in and through the story of God's working and movement and, and God's involvement in the life of this woman named Rebecca. So if you haven't made your way there, go to Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. We're going to start in verse 12. And uh, we're going to drop it in the middle of the story. So I want to set the scene, give the context, get everybody caught up on, on where we're coming in on this story. Uh, so uh, Abraham is uh, older older. Uh, Oh, he's old, he's about to die. And, uh, and so his wife has just died. Uh, Isaac is mourning the loss of his mother and Abraham knows now is the time where I need to arrange a marriage for my son Isaac. In this culture, that's how marriages work. They'd be arranged by the parents uh, of both the bride and the groom. And so uh, Abraham knows this is a, a task that he has, but it's he faces a challenge, because decades before this, Abraham had, had, had left his homeland. God called Abraham to leave his homeland, to go to a, a foreign land that God would show him, that God would give him, that would then in turn be the land for the Israelite nation. And so Abraham has left, uh, left his people and is now living among the Canaanites. The Canaanites were a group of people that were known far and wide for their worship of many false gods and goddesses. So if Abraham chooses a wife for Isaac among the Canaanites, he's going to be introducing the worship of these false gods, these foreign gods, into his family line. So we know it's a problem because he doesn't want Isaac or his ch- or Isaac's children, Abraham's grandchildren, to be tempted to worship, the, worship these false gods and goddesses. So Abraham determines to send his servant back to his homeland uh, to find a wife from, uh, from among Abraham's kind of extended family, and to find a woman from among Abraham's extended family to be the wife of Isaac. And so... Uh, grasp that for a second, right? What this servant is being asked to do. This servant is to journey all the way back to Abraham's homeland to find a woman who will not only agree to be Isaac's wife sight unseen, who will, will not only agree to be Isaac's wife, but agree to leave her homeland for a man she's never met, to live in a place she's never seen among a people she doesn't know, right? How many of you would be like, sign me up for that, right? like, so, so it's quite the task that this servant has to go and find a woman, who, who will agree to do such a thing uh, just off of his request. And so uh, knowing it's the task, uh, he, uh, Abraham asks the servant to take a, a, an oath. He, he pledges an oath to Abraham, I'm going to find a wife for Isaac. And, and he acts uh, on that oath, and really he kind of acts in faith as well. This servant has seen uh, the Lord work and move on behalf of Abraham and his family time and time again. And so we see him really also express his own faith in the Lord that, the God, that God is going to honor this promise, this covenant that he has made to Abraham. And so the servant travels to the homeland. He gets to the homeland of Abraham's brother. And, uh, and it's there where we're going to drop in the text. Genesis chapter twelve, uh, chapter 24, verse 12. The servant's in the land. Looking for, uh, looking for the woman, even if it says this prayer. Then he prayed, "'Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing, besi- I'm standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that I'll, when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too, let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master.'"'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'—'— Okay, this, this, it prays almost humorous to me because it's kind of like, you know, give me a sign type of a prayer. I, I don't know if you remember when you were dating, and you probably didn't do this because you're a better person than I am, but I like, I remember I was thinking like, hey, I want, you want a godly wife, you know, I want a godly wife, you know, I want a godly husband. I remember there would be times where I was like completely desperate. I'm like, okay, God, the next woman that I see coming across the quad or, or coming into whatever, like, I know that's going to be the one that you have for me. And like, saying that prayer and looking at me like, I don't think you answered this. <laughs> or, or like, I hope you didn't. And so, like, you know, that prayer kind of made more out of desperation. That was not a story about my wife, who I love very de- deeply. <laughs> so, um, so, um, but anyway, so like we, we make that prayer, right? No, I say we make that prayer. You know, we have those kind of desperation type of, you know, give me a sign type of prayer. But I don't think that's what's happening here, um, although he does get very specific with it. Um, you know, the, the servant knows these promises have been made. He knows these promises have been made, made to his, his master Abraham. And so he's really kind of praying more out of that confidence. God, I know you're going to work. I know you're going to move in this fashion. And yes, he does get specific with, with how he wants to, to kind of see it be answered. Um, but I would say even in his prayer, um, what he asks specifically for water for the camels, um, that, that's going to be an expression of a character that he's looking for. And so, anyways, while he's voicing this prayer, um, God God works, God moves. Look at verse fifteen. Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out, and with her jar on her shoulder, she uh, came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin; no man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, "Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord." She said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a, him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels, too, until they have had enough to drink. You know, he's like, jackpot. So, verse 20. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. So right, he, he doesn't even finish praying. He doesn't even finish praying, and, and, Rebe- and God, is, God begins to answer. Rebecca comes out to draw water. Now, now, know this, okay? This would be something that she does every day. The women in this culture, early in the morning and late at night, they would go to the spring to draw water for the family. Uh, to, to, for all the, the needs that they have in household and, and, and whatnot. So this is a normal, everyday, routine occurrence for Rebecca that she's going to draw water for the whole family. Now, where she does take it a step further, and it is, it is a significant step further, is when she offers to draw water for the camel. Now let's do the math behind this, and this is where it really kind of blows your mind a little bit about what she's just offered. Earlier in the text, we know that uh, the servant has been traveling with 10 camels. Uh, camels, on average, can drink up to 25 gallons apiece. So she just offered to, to draw 250 gallons of water. Now multiply that times eight pounds, which is the average weight of a gallon of water, and she is literally just offered to carry a ton of water for this man that she has just met, right? She is literally offered to carry 2,000 pounds of water to water this man's camels. <laughs> and so, you know, like, that's the, the gesture that she is making. That's also why I say she's not weak, she's not passive, she's not this dams, damsel in distress. Like, she's, she has this extreme expression of kindness of of empathy, of hospitality. She sees a stranger in a homeland with no people, no supplies, no place of refuge, and and she goes to meet him in that need. She she meets him there with acceptance and kindness and generosity, the likes of which require strength, fortitude, and, and this measure of sacrifice that she goes and would not only give him a drink, but also offer to do this for his camels. And so, no doubt, that's a, that's a grand gesture. I mean, I do think that's a, that's a significant gesture that she makes towards, towards this person. And I'll just kind of continue to tell the story a little bit. We'll, we'll jump back in the text in just a minute. But after she waters the camels, the uh, the servant says, "Hey, how big is your dad's house? Is there a room for me to stay to stay the night?" Type of deal. He, he asked for her uh, for for a lodging, and I hear that, and I'm like, "Man, haven't you already asked for enough? <laughs> like, she's just carried a ton of water for you, uh, but she doesn't hesitate. She's like, yes, in my father's house are many rooms, and, and there's there's supplies for you, and 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 for.'" Uh, uh, to, to care for you. So she, she gives to the servant a place of, of refuge, a place of, of rest. And so the, the reason that I'm hammering this a, a little bit with, with Rebecca and this expression of hospitality, this expression of welcome, is that Rebecca is already acting out uh, this godly character of service, already acting out this godly character of hospitality and kindness to the stranger, that God is going to command her children her grandchildren, and all of her descendants to practice and to extend towards the immigrant, towards the refugee, towards the people without a home, when they have a land of their own. She's already practicing this here. She's already expressing it. It's already a part of her character, already a part of her daily living, and yet God is going to use it in a divine fashion to be an answer to this servant's prayer. It's just another day for her. She's just going to get water, and she saw a need, she happened to it. It was just an expression, just an expression of kindness and hospitality to her. But to the servant, it's an answered prayer. To God, he uses the obedience of a servant, the kindness of Rebecca, to fulfill his promise to Abraham to begin to give him descendants as numerous as the stars. A routine day for Rebecca was a divine appointment that's going to alter the course of her life and generations that follow after. Now, while the servant is staying at the house, he puts all the cards on the table. Tells them why he's there, how he's in the land looking for the wife of, of Isaac. He even tells them about the prayer and how Rebecca is the answer to it. And at this, the whole family is pumped. Like, uh, because they see the wealth that he has, and they're like, all right, you know, she's going to marry well. And so initially they're pretty excited that this is going to happen for them. Uh, but when they begin to connect the dots and see that if she is going to marry Isaac, it's going to take her away from them that she's going to go to a very distant land that probably will never see her again. It's there where they begin to have some hesitation, where they begin to, to be reluctant to this. In fact, they, they try to stall, they try to delay, maybe this guy's going to change his mind. And, and the servant really comes back and says, look, I, I've made this oath, del- let's, let's not delay any longer. Is this a yes or is this a no? Is this going to happen? And so when, when he kind of pushes them for an answer, they turn and the family tells the servant, why don't you ask Rebecca?" All right, this is huge, because remember, this is arranged marriages. So like they could have said, Rebecca, this is where you're going, pack your bags, we'll see you later. But no, they're going to allow Rebecca to have the final say. All right, this, is, this is her decision, this is her moment, this is her moment to express faith and trust in the Lord, or to walk back from it. And this is where I want us to come back in the text, 24 verse 57. Then they said, let's call the young woman and ask her about it. So they called Rebekah and asked her, Will you go with this man? I will go, she said. So they sent their sister Rebekah on her way, along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the cities of their enemies. Then Rebekah and her attendants got ready and mounted the camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebekah and left. We're ready to keep reading, and I'm sorry if I'm taking the end of the story from you. You can read it on your own. But we're ready to keep reading. She gets back to the land and um, looks up, sees Isaac. Isaac looks up and sees her, and it's kind of love at first arranged sight. And so, uh, so, the, so she becomes the wife of Isaac, and, uh, and, and they begin to have a family. And we see this, this next page, this next chapter in the story of the kingdom of God begin to unfold uh, as it happens here. But know this, it, it happens as a result of her saying yes. She has this moment. She has this decision. She says yes. And know this, it's the same yes that Abraham gave when, when God called Abraham to leave, right? God calls Abraham, I, I'm going to lead you to a land you've never seen. I'm going to make you the father of a great nation, and it's going to be my people. And he has to leave all that, is unfamiliar, all that is familiar, set out in faith and trust in the Lord. Same yes. Yes. Rebekah has the, the same situation in front of her. She's got to go to a foreign land, be the wife of Isaac, and all of this is part of God's plan to bless the world in and through the nation of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, of Isaac, and now Rebekah. And, and, and you can see uh, her yes and her faith and her trust aligning with so much of what God is doing. You can even hear in the, the prayer that her siblings pray for her, an echo of God's covenant. May you increase thousands upon thousands. May your descendants inherit, you know, occupy the, the, the uh, possess the cities of their enemies. And so it's even let them have, uh, you know, let them have this land and, and let them increase in number. And, and so, like, they're praying for her in such a way that it already aligns with God's promise, God's covenant to Abraham, to Isaac, and now, now to her. as She is now part of the family. And so you can see, or at least what I'm trying to help you see, is, is like both. You can see these, these advances that are happening in the grand story of the kingdom of God. But you can also see how God is intimately involved in her life and in her steps. You can see how he's using her to be an integral part in the story of God's kingdom throughout it all. But what strikes me about this is, is when you read this story, it's kind of mundane. Like, what, I, what I mean by that, like, a servant obeyed his master. That would happen, I would uh, assume, a lot in the same age. A servant obeys his master, he gets thirsty, camels get thirsty. That happens to everybody every day. And, uh, or at least all my camels get thirsty. So, you know that, 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 you know, that happens every day. And then Rebecca goes out and gives water like she would. And yet now she's wife to Isaac, beneficiary of the the promises that God has made and the one through whom the nation of Israel will be born. But on that day, she was just bringing some water. A lot of water. She was bringing some water. She was acting out uh, her character. What was a routine moment for her in so many respects was a divine appointment in so many others. You know, when I had that conversation with Lane, Uh, You know, it was just, you know, it was after Bible study. We're just kind of breaking down or whatever. We're in in that kitchen, and it was just a a normal question that he asked. Just a conversation. Hey, man, have you ever thought about planting a church? Normal question for him, life-changing for me. Divine appointment for me. You know, so many many times when... um, like we, we we want kind of this, the signs from God or, or whatever. We, we want direction, like we're, we're wanting the, the big thing, right? Like we want the burning bush. We want the audible voice from God. We want the, you know, this is a, a dramatic sign. Okay, yes, Lord, I know this is where I'm going. But so often we can see it more kind of happening in this vein with these conversations, with these smaller acts of obedience and kindness and, and, and encouragement. And so often this is how God shapes his people. That's how he advances his kingdom. And it's also how he uses his people to do the same in other People's lives, but look, I, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, or maybe you haven't already had experience with. Because here's the deal: if you and I were to sit down and I was, and, and we were, got to talk about life and maybe how, how you've gotten to this point of where you are and how God's worked and how God's moved in your life, chances are you would probably tell me about a conversation that you had with maybe a coach or a teacher or a friend or a parent and, and how they, they spoke life into you or they, they helped you see different skills or abilities or giftings that you have. And, and you might say, hey man, that was a God moment. When I had that conversation that just helped me know kind of what to do with my life or the next step to take. Or or hey, maybe this Sermon is helping you go back and reframe some of the conversations that you've had to where now you can see, hey, maybe that was God providentially moving on my behalf. Because you look back at that conversation, that moment, it was a fork in the road. Life could have gone this way or, or, or this way. And, and, and because of the conversation they had, the text they sent, the note that they wrote, or picking up the phone call and, and speaking with you, that, that gave you the encouragement, helped you have the wisdom or, or whatever to help you know, this is where I need to go. This is what I need to do. And so you look back and you think of that, that was a God moment, that was a divine appointment. But if you were to ask them would they remember it? They might. They might. They genuinely, they genuinely might remember that conversation. But, but sometimes it's, hey, man, I'm a coach. I'm a teacher. That's what I do. Or, or you know, I'm, I'm a friend. I just, we're just having a conversation. Or so, so often, it's, it's those, you know, to, to them, it might be a forgettable moment. But to you, that was a divine appointment. And I would say those conversations and really what we see in Genesis 24, all these are examples of God's providence. It's God's, prov- God's, God's providence. That's a theological term we brought up a couple weeks ago. We see it again in the text this morning. But God's providence, if you want the definition of it, it God's providence refers to God's continuing work and involvement in his creation. It, it's, a, it's a belief in God's personal and direct intervention in the world at large, but also his direct and personal vi- intervention in individual events in your life and in my life, That shaped the course of human history. It's God's providence. And I I think one one part to God's providence that that helps me understand it all the more, helps it hit home a little bit more for me, is to think of God's infinite nature. Now, we're gonna go this way to come back to where we are, so it's a little bit of a tangent, but hang with me. Think about God's infinite nature. So many times when you say the infinite nature of God, people think about how he's infinitely big, right? He was before time, he created time, he's after time. He created the universe, he holds all the universe in his hand. Um, Oftentimes, whenever someone is... is, um, That just when you think of God's infinite nature, we're all we're only thinking on on just infinitely big. And you can hear this expressed whenever someone says, Hey man, don't you think God's got bigger things to to occupy this time with? Don't you think God's got bigger things to think about than whether or not you get into school? Don't you think God's got bigger things to think about than, than whether or not you go on the date? Don't you think God's got bigger things to think about than however you finish that sentence? Okay, when when someone is having that thought, or maybe when you're having that thought, you're only thinking about the infinite nature of God and his infinite. Bigness, but here 's how infinity works as much as I can <laughs> arrogantly say In, in, the, in uh, infinity goes both ways, infinitely big and infinitely small, and God is big enough to handle the infinitely big. And he's big enough to handle the infinitely small. That's what scripture says. That's what Jesus says about God. He knows the number of hairs on our head. That the infinite, that's his, He's infinitely big and he's in the details of your life and of my life. And so just think about that, right? So we can couple the infinite nature of his bigness, the infinite nature of the smallness. We can couple the infinite nature of God with God's providence that enables him to be both intimately involved in the daily occurrences of our life at the same way make those fold into, or be a chapter of, or be another part of his grand, epic, eternal story. Right? But, 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 but so often, so often, so often, we, we, we miss that. We, 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 miss what, we miss what happens because we overlook the significance of our of obedience in the small moments. But that comes when we, when we trust in God's word, we obey God's word, we obey his commands for simply... Such things as, as simple as kindness and mercy and compassion and empathy, and so often we think, okay, if I want to be in ministry or advance God's kingdom, I've got to do the big thing, right—the mission trip, the do something big and noteworthy. Both both things are needed, but oftentimes it could just simply be as as just giving words of encouragement, you know. Passing along the idea, small acts of obedience uh, uh, that fall in line with God's character are ways that, that that God can can use to further His purposes. And sometimes those are small, and they're, they just seem so flink. Sometimes they're they're small, and they can be grueling and taxing. Right, the furthest thing from ministry that you can even think of, you know, lugging water for camels. Um, but but you know, uh, but you never know how that time spent or what that time spent could yield in someone else's life you never know how that action might be an answer to somebody else's prayer help them discover life and hope and who christ is and what he's done because i mean just 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 think of it in this story right like god's he's infinitely big and infinitely small in that he he works and on the grand scale and in the individual's lives so much so that you know he creates eternity And it sets out this story of how he's going to reveal himself to the entire world in and through the nation of Israel. But he uses Rebecca going to get water on this day for her family, water for this man's camels. He uses that to be a formative moment to graft her in to his story of redemption for the human race. It's a normal day for her. Mundane detail. But yet we see her express godly character, godly kindness, and then we see God give her occasions for faith to be practiced in and through it to where we see it advance the narrative. We see it advance the story of God. We see it advance his work. And so here's here's, here's the deal. Let's, let's bring it all the way back full circle um, the, this this notion of, of, of God's providence in our life and how um, with our trust and with our obedience of him, how we can be receptive to him directing ourselves. So let's bring it all the way back full circle and I'll, I'll do it with this. Some of you may have thought today was just another Sunday. Some of you may have thought today was just just another morning um, that you know, maybe some of your friends were coming to church you said, sure, I'll go. Or maybe someone invited you or maybe it's just, hey, it's my routine, it's what I do. But I do believe that today could be the day where God has providentially brought you to a church, brought you to a community of faith where you can trust in him for the very first time. I do, I believe that. I believe today could be the divine appointment that he has set for you to say yes and trust in him. I think today could also be the day that God helps you look at your Monday with eyes that have a view of the eternal, right? That can help you view your Monday with eyes wide open to how God might be working in your office, on your campus, in your community. And because it's there, again, we want the revivals, right? We want, the, we want to see those huge expressions of God's power and might, and let's pray for those. Let's not back off of praying for those. But at the same time, don't overlook the small opportunities for expressions of Godly character, faith, trust, repentance and belief, because those are small moments that God can use to providentially guide your steps or the steps of those around you to, d- to discover who he is, the hope that he has given, and the life that he desires to give to any and to all who but put their faith and their hope and their trust in him. So my prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that we would not overlook uh, small occasions for obedience and faith and trust And that we would never underestimate the repercussions of those moments because we have no clue how God is providentially guiding and directing our steps for our good and for his glory.